Hey everybody, Yislike here. Thanks for tuning in today. Before we start the episode, I want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by A Thousand Dreams, a developing adult liberal arts curriculum that celebrates transgression in most of its forms. Currently, the curriculum is comprised of a daily blog, four weekly podcasts, weekly multimedia lectures, a book vlog, lots of extra content on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, and a Patreon that includes exclusive content and early access to much of our regular content. You can access all of our content, including a link to our Patreon, from our central hub at a thousanddreams.org. Please send comments and questions about the curriculum to a thousanddreams.org at gmail.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to Meet the Rockadopolis. Today's topic is submissive speech. But before we start on our regular programming, we are going to talk about our week in kink. This last week was a birthday week for me, um, a milestone type of a birthday, let's say. And so uh, I kind of coerced all of the people close to me into making a big deal about it for me so that I could <laughs> be positive about it. It totally worked. I had a wonderful birthday, lasted several days. It was great. And so part of what Lance and I did on my birthday was have a place session with two of my birthday presents, which were a rubber jambok which is a less expensive version of a South African weapon, really. And the other one was a a pizzle stick or else otherwise known as a bully stick. If you've ever like had dogs and given them those bully sticks, you know, there's just a bull, a shriveled up bull penis. Uh, That's what it is. But in the form of a a cane-like impact tool, Both of them were very, very cool. I was ecstatic. The bully stick actually smells like an animal, and that was cool. So it's shaped very strangely. It's like, uh, it looks like a braid. Yeah, almost like an old fashioned peppermint wand. It was awesome. And and I got to use it on Lance at the hotel where we were staying. It was a Best Western. And this particular Best Western has these like executive rooms on their executive side of the motel. This is the second time we've stayed there and they're very long and wide open. So they're perfect for impact play. Yeah. Quite spacious, plenty of room to swing a whip. And then there was also oddly enough, this really big old photograph from like maybe the turn of the century, turn of the 20th century. That's hard to describe. Can you describe it? Yeah, sure. It's a black and white photo of a group of men, and they seem to all be in a harness of some sort. Like, you know how the horses are all harnessed together to to pull a carriage? Well, these men were pulling something, some kind of contraption, but they had these weird uniforms, basically shorts and a weird schmata on their head. 
<laughs> it was very, very weird. Yeah. And why that particular hotel chose to put that particular old timey photograph on the wall, I mm-hmm. cannot say. It did end up making us dub that particular Best Western as the BDSM hotel. Okay, onward. We actually could not find a definition of submissive speech to use for this podcast. So I came up with one myself that I think describes what we're talking about fairly accurately. I'm defining submissive speech as a way for submissives to communicate that supports and enhances their power exchange relationship. So in this episode, we'll talk about different types of submissive speech and how we use them. But before we get started on that, I do want to talk a little bit about how challenging effective communication can be in our relationship. Aside from the fact that we can't live together right now for family and work-related reasons, Communication may be the biggest issue that we face as a couple. So for that reason, composing the outline for this particular episode has been extra challenging for us. Not only do we communicate very differently, but we're also in very different places when it comes to our understanding of how communication works, at least when it comes to language. Lance is an engineer and very much a math person, And I'm very much a language person. For 19 years, I wrote about, taught, practiced many kinds of communication, written, verbal, visual, online, in front of a live audience, professional, academic, you name it. And so the tensions between our different understanding of approaches to communication may become very apparent throughout our discussion of the communication. I Never want to have us fighting on the (laughs) podcast, but you might hear some strain. Who knows? We've tried to get that out of this. Okay. So without further ado, Lance, start us off. Sure. I will start us off with describing some of the types of submissive speech. For the first one, I'll start off with the antithesis of communication, which is speech restrictions. And that's where a sub or slave is instructed or allowed to speak only when spoken to. It's something that we don't do often. I rarely, if ever, think about doing speech restrictions with you. And I guess it's because I like to talk and converse so much that it would be counterproductive to make you stop talking for any Hmm. reason, unless we're in the middle of an argument. And I need to make my point. (laughs) But I think Lance also just needs practice talking. If I didn't keep prompting him, I think he might be very happy just sinking into a state of perpetual silence most (laughs) of the time. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I, I need the practice. The next type of submissive speech falls under the category of asking for permission basically asking permission to do mostly anything, even mundane things like turning the TV on or changing the volume or me being required to ask to use the bathroom. Yeah, and and that's a frequent thing that dominant men and women require of their subs or slaves that they want constant feedback from the slave asking, can I do this or may I do this? 
specifically. Yeah, constant communication, even with regard to very basic domestic things. But actually that remote control issue, my understanding is that it's a contentious issue for a lot of couples. So that's one area where power exchange really comes in handy for me. It basically eliminates that issue. I mean, you've got full control over everything. Exactly. Begging for mercy is the next type that I'd like to talk about. Typically that is done within a play session. There has to be constant communication, but part of that communication is begging or asking for mercy. And a lot has been written about that subject. Mostly that stuff is how to, you're supposed to do such and such a thing at such and such time. But many masters and mistresses request begging from their submissives. I've done it on occasion, especially when it comes to begging for orgasmic relief. Some try <laughs> the simple approach like, oh, please, 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 pretty, please, with sugar on top. But in, in my opinion, there has to be in, you know, honest desperation in your voice when you're truly begging. Right. What's the point of keeping you in chastity or giving you a rough time with the play session if you're not going to be begging for mercy? Others take a more physical approach. They can be very dramatic. They like grab the hands of the dominant and kiss kiss their fingers or get on their hands and knees and kiss their feet, uh, making a big, big show of it. <laughs> You can also cry, uh, show your puppy dog eyes. But like I said before, it's most effective when it's authentic. All right. Third person language. Yeah, sure. That's when the slave refers to itself or this boy or your slave wishes this or that. It's uh, very popular in the Gorian circles. We're not going to do it on this podcast because it would be kind of annoying and it definitely slows down the pace of the conversation. I would also like to add that I have tried it and found it to be extremely difficult, but I do want to keep trying. Yeah. Basically putting in the effort to remove the ego, as they say. We've tried it a couple of times and given it up and then we could try it maybe one more time and see how far we get. It's pretty awkward, definitely not for the podcast, but I do think that it's much easier for you to do it on texting. So I'm just going to want you to do it on texting because you have a second to think about it. So we can try doing it on texting and maybe that'll help rewire your brain to get more used to it. It's actually not that important to me that you be able to do it just because it is so awkward, but I do like it on texting. The next topic is tone of voice. This is where I speak more softly. It is also me trying to be more demure, show more deference and humility. And what also helps is talking in a questioning manner, raising the pitch (laughs) of my voice towards the end of a sentence. (laughs) Yeah, there was a a masterclass that you had me watch. It was this police hostage negotiator guy teaching this master class. I think his name was Chris Voss, and the title was The Art of Negotiation that recommended this strategy to basically calm things down. 
Yeah, you don't seem to think much of that idea of the uplift at the end of the sentence. Yeah, I've heard people talk about that in a very negative way. Basically, it's reducing the polarity between men and women and is kind of unattractive to women. Oh, well, that's just sexist. (laughs) I think there's a little bit of validity in that, but I also see the point in what Chris Voss was trying to communicate. I mean, the idea that it's a problem because it reduces the polarity of men and women suggests that women should be more submissive, that the polarity includes women being more submissive and men being Mm -hmm. more dominant. Yeah, That's not okay at all. Yeah, there's an assumption that the the man's supposed to take the lead and be definitive and state his purposes in life. Yeah, fuck that. I think in general, though, like with other forms of submissive speech, like the begging, tone of voice works best when it's authentic. It -hmm. seems like when you are in the most submissive frame of mind, your voice does get softer, maybe a little higher. But when it's coming from you naturally, that's when I feel it the most. Let's talk about honorifics. Honorifics are titles that slaves or subs use for our dominant partners. And it's supposed to, and I think it does, convey esteem, respect, and recognizing authority. For example, I call my master, yes, like my master. But it could also be terms like sir, madam, goddess, etc., etc., I also consider it and use it as a term of endearment. Master to me is equivalent to calling you sweetie pie or honey. Yeah, I never knew that you thought of it as a term of endearment until we started working on on this episode. And I love it that you do. That just Mm -hmm. makes my heart sing. So does me calling you slave also feel like a term of endearment to you? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I have. Yeah, no doubt about that. Oh, that's just so sweet. It's also one of our protocols, direct command that uh, you require for me to address you as master. So I do. The next subject may be a little off topic, but mantras and affirmations, I consider a form of self-talk where I am both the speaker and the audience. And it is basically a statement or a slogan frequently repeated to aid in concentration and meditation. And it's a way for submissives to communicate that supports and enhances their power exchange relationships. So that's why I consider it to be valid for this topic. One example is provided in the book, Finding Love Through Female Domination, where Renee developed a mantra for her slave to repeat. She requires Butler to say, I am only a slave. It is a privilege to serve. And he is to repeat it to himself over and over. In Melissa Rudder's book, Turning Point, she provides dozens of female-led relationship affirmations. She likes to use the honorific queen, so the book is filled with affirmations that refer to her as queen, but she also says, by all means, change them to fit your dynamic. So I'll provide some examples, and I'll do it in the third person. So I would say, 
The body Yislike's slave inhabits is solely for master's pleasure. Obeying master is the primary role of Yislike's slave. Complete submission to master is its ultimate goal. Suffering in chastity is necessary for Yislike's slave because its master has ordered it so. So now we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about the purposes of submissive speech. The first purpose that I'm going to talk about is that we use submissive speech to turn us on sexually. There's actually a term for that, and it's neurotophilia, which means being turned on by words or stories. The term is usually referred to pillow talk and erotica, like like erotic novels and such. For me, it's almost any kind of talk is going to turn me on at least a little bit. So it's really... Mm words themselves. And it's usually not just erotic talk. It's There's all kinds of academic jargon that turns me on to, to no end. So that's just my own weirdness. So what are some examples of submissive speech that turns us on? Aside from the academic jargon that I love so much, one type of submissive speech that turns me on is really begging especially begging for pain. I feel like when when you're begging for pain, it really validates my sadism. It's like mm. it's like it, it makes sadism okay. And especially when you're begging for it and you have a huge heart on <laughs> with it. Is is that when I'm saying like please hit me harder or more intense? Yeah, Whatever. but you also beg me to just give you the regular beltings. Actually, the last belting we did, you were begging me to go a little lighter, and yeah. I did not. But are you okay today? <laughs> of course. Okay. Yeah, you're far wiser than I am. I could take much more than I lead on in the moment. And so I guess we could ask the big picture question, if I want to be really pedantic, which I do. And it's, what is the purpose of eroticism? And... For me, eroticism is important because it feels good and it's the life instinct. It keeps us energized and motivated at a very deep level. Mm-hmm. What about you, Lance? Yeah, definitely. It's it's fun. And we're speaking about communication and words. I'm much more turned on by the written word than visual porn. I'd much rather go to literotica than you porn. And I I guess it has to do with the fantasies being so much more intense and extreme than what I could find in videos. I'm also very turned on by books that show me how to deepen my submission and obedience to Master Yuslike. Just clarifying, because that's interesting. Just the idea of submitting and being able to submit better gives you a hard on. Right. I'm going to be referencing some sources about the spiritual aspects later on. Those books really turned me on something, something fierce. I didn't know that. I would not have guessed that. So this is a good learning opportunity for me. Okay. So the next purpose we're going to talk about is to show respect. What types of submissive speech does Lance use to show his respect and help me to feel respected? So one type would be honorifics, right? Honorifics are very important. At this point, it would feel weird if he called me anything but master. I don't think he calls me that in public very often, do you? I have on occasion. Sure. When 
when I don't feel like somebody would be offended by it or they would hear it. I also really appreciate more formal language like yes, instead of yep or okay. Sometimes formal speech comes naturally to Lance. And I think it does when he is feeling more submissive, the more subby he feels, the more formal his speech seems to become. Hmm. That's interesting. And I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, but I don't notice that I'm being more formal when I'm, when I'm feeling subby. And I try not to be casual unless I'm like joking around. I always try to be respectful. Right. I know. But a lot of times you forget. And since we've been together, I've blown a lot of that off. But a big part of this episode is is to dig a little bit deeper to help remind you to keep that submissive speech going most of the time. And also to remind me that I need to remind you. But then the question arises, why is using a certain type of formal speech important in a DS relationship? It's interesting that in most femdom DS relationships, there's often an assumption of the respectability of the dom at the start of the relationship, although that respect can be lost quickly or gradually over time. I think it's safe to say, at least in power exchange relationships, that in general, subs want to respect their doms, and they tend to have a strong desire to show that respect, sometimes in flamboyant ways. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Sometimes that respect comes in the form of the slave belittling himself or herself. I got this quote from submissiveguide.com. has shared this. Please forgive this worthless creature for interrupting your most esteemed self. I beg that my ignorance does not shame my most honorable master. I'm ashamed that my ignorance is inconveniencing you in any manner, but I must beg for a clarification on the command given to this worthless creature. Okay. <laughs> kind of amusing. <laughs> it's amusing. Um, And that's not the type of language that's going to do much for me, but uh, I'm wondering what exactly it does for Norish. You know Mm. what I mean? Like that seems like that's more might be a little bit more about getting Norish off than about doing much for, for her master or his master. Number three, I think it helps me keep a submissive frame of mind, especially asking permission and we mentioned the third person language it's my understanding that it removes the ego or self-identity but like i said before it's very difficult for me to implement still i do want to keep trying because its potential benefit of its continued use is um is, is fairly high to me okay number four is to help keep Yislike in a dominant frame of mind. We're going to talk about dominant speech in our next episode, but the fact is that when Lance uses submissive speech effectively, it does make me feel dominant. It reminds me that I have a role to play, and the language helps me to embody that role. 
Yeah, and that is definitely something that I want to encourage. Your dominance makes me feel more comfortable. It reinforces me my understanding and, again, comfort knowing that you're in charge. And you've asked me to help you to be more directive, and I'm perfectly willing to do that. Yeah, especially in my speech. Not saying, would you please, or please, or I want you to, but just saying, do. Another purpose of submissive speech is to perform our dynamic in front of other kingsters at events and parties, etc. For us, participating in a kink culture means being part of something that is bigger than our own life together. And we both agree that it's important to represent femdom relationships within the kink community. You do agree with that, don't you? Oh, absolutely. And I want to go actually further than that. I want to express ourselves to a wider public. Really, even within the kink community to create more visibility for femdom relationships. We want to be seen and to connect with other femdom couples. There aren't that many, and we'd like to continue to meet more of them. And we've also talked about challenging the patriarchy, and it makes me feel good, at least, when we challenge social norms. What do you feel about that? Yes. Well, I think that works for the kink community, and if there are appropriate times to do that in the Mm -hmm. vanilla world, too. Absolutely. And I also consider it a challenge to be put into uncomfortable situations to see if I can deal with that. I remember you ordering me to ask permission for me to go and use the restroom at a munch. And that turned me on very much. So challenging yourself turns you on a lot. And then another very practical reason for using submissive language at kinky events is to get the attention of any stray subs who might be interested in exploring the possibility of polyandry. Right. You're basically flirting to a wider audience. Hmm, That's nicely put. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The sixth purpose is to keep our minor conflicts from escalating. Communication is linked to keeping a submissive mindset. I'll admit that it takes a great deal of energy to be emotionally intelligent and not to be triggered. Um, So it's important that I use the proper tone of voice. And I know that it's very important to dislike. I think we've talked about our backgrounds before and me growing up in New York, I tend to be very direct and aggressive. Yeah, I don't want to have to keep explaining myself or rephrasing what I said. I I want to get it right the first time. And it's been an effort for me to do that. Mm. It might be worth it though, to rephrase until I approve of what you said. Hmm. I'm just saying, how about I put it this way? You need to rephrase what you're saying until I approve of how you're phrasing it. What do you say? I say yes, master. (laughs) Okay. So now we are going to pause our discussion of submissive speech and continue it in episode 13. Until then, have a great week. Thank you.